been thinking a lot about watching the Prime Minister today, thinking a lot about the Emergencies Act and the invocation of it. And it's still a difficult one, you know, because you look at the situation and you feel like everyone was to blame. You know, the police were clearly incompetent. Um, premiers, including Doug Ford and Jason Kenney, were only too happy to handle this obvious to handle, handle this obvious political football over to the Prime Minister. Prime Minister they don't particularly like, specifically Kenny, but uh, Rob Ford, uh, Doug Ford was other was up for re-election, of course, uh, Doug Ford, and won handedly, of course. Um, and the police didn't didn't do, didn't do come off looking good in this. The convoy, I mean, I don't know. I, I agree with some of. Obviously, I agree with the right to protest. It's obvious in this country we should we have that right. You should be able to to voice your displeasure with something. But it felt like the whole thing got taken over by a bunch of self promoting grifters trying to make money, spouting all kinds of nonsense. I mean, it was. It was kind of pathetic in a lot of ways, even though some of the people there were clearly there with good intentions, trying to make their voices heard about something they felt very deeply about, and that I respect. But then it kind of turned into a bit of a circus, and that was bad. Um, and the demands were ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, you know, meet our demands or else. It was, you know, it was it was terrible. So you have this kind of immovable force kind of clownish, but with some violence mixed into it. You have municipalities kind of incapable of dealing with it. You have provincial governments running the other way to avoid it. And you have the, the federal government kind of sitting on its hands, not really sure what to do. And all of it adds up to this crisis that we wound up with. And then here comes the Emergencies Act, something we haven't used since it was uh, put in place in the late 80s. And it hadn't been, you know, it was meant to replace the War Measures Act, which hadn't been used since 1970 during what was a legitimate terrorist threat in Quebec. So it leaves you thinking, I guess they had no other choice but to use it. But was the incompetence of everyone really justification for using this incredibly um, select piece of legislation, one that was meant to be the last resort? I don't know. I don't envy Justice Rulo. He has uh, some decisions to make here about it. But uh, he says he has all the information he needs. So again, today, the Prime Minister was the last person to testify, fittingly enough, at the public inquiry into the invocation of the Emergencies Act. He was on the stand for a long time. He faced both some uh, relatively simple questions, sort of just walk us through it, to some pretty decent cross-examination about whether or not the threshold was met. Was this indeed um, a threat to national security? Uh, why wouldn't the federal government disclose uh, the legal advice they've been given to say that they were, in fact, justified in using the Emergencies Act that remained hidden by, you know, uh, attorney-client privilege. So we don't know. Uh, but Trudeau did justify, he said he felt serene about his decision, that it was justified. He also thought, thought about, in terms of timing, what happened if he hadn't acted when he did? What if the worst had happened in those following days? What if... Um someone had gotten hurt? What if a police officer had been uh, put in a hospital? Uh, what if uh, when I had an opportunity to do something, I had waited? So <clears throat> part of his thinking here was that if he had waited and something bad had happened, um, that he would have been held to account for it. It doesn't seem like a great justification for using it, by the way, the what if. But you can see what he was thinking at the time. Again, he testified today for several hours. Lots of good questions in there. Um, but that's it. Six weeks. It's been extraordinary in many ways, not just the testimony of so many people from so many different spots, police, municipal governments, federal politicians. Um, we had documents come in from different um, provincial governments as well. There was all kinds of stuff in there, text messages, uh, lots of documentation as well, which in many ways is more interesting than the testimony itself. Um, now Justice Rulo has to walk away and write this all up, 
by early February. He doesn't have much time. He's been complaining about that, that he hasn't had enough time really to take this all in. It's so vast, but he thinks he has enough to get the job done. Most importantly, I'm satisfied that I now have the evidence that I need to make the factual findings and to answer the questions I've been mandated to ask. Namely, why did the federal government declare the emergency? How did it use its powers? And were those actions appropriate? Well, joining me now with more on this is David Schneiderman. He's a professor of law at the University of Toronto. Thanks for your time tonight. Good to be with you, Ben. It's always interesting to see a sitting prime minister face not only questions from counsel, from the commission counsel, but also cross-examination, do it all in public. Uh, How did you think he did today in answering some of the more pertinent questions around the justification for invoking the Emergencies Act? Well, from a public relations point of view, I think it was a good day for the prime minister. He he was uh, compelling, sounded sincere, and also had a good grasp of the facts as he understood them. So I, I think he did really well from a public relations point of view. If we're talking about the legal thresholds that have to be satisfied under the Emergencies Act, I'm not sure he did himself many favors, but I'm I'm not confident that Justice Rouleau is going to hold him to strict legal standards. Yeah, that's interesting because some of the more fascinating questioning came from, you know, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, the uh, another lawyer for the uh, Constitutional Foundation, I think, which were really trying to get to the crux of, okay, what was the threshold and how did you meet it? Yeah, both those groups are interested in this question. They both have a case in the Federal Court of Canada, actually, that will be heard, I think, in February, precisely on the question of whether the legal uh, criteria in the Emergencies Act had been satisfied. So they were pressing on that button uh, quite a bit. And I think the CCLA was interested in having the Prime Minister acknowledge that a lot of things like the border crossing at Coots, the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor had been cleared out uh, before the declaration of the Emergencies Act. And for the Canadian Constitutional Foundation, it was th- there was a, not as much information as there should have been before Cabinet to make a full and informed opinion that there was a threat to the security of Canada. They were also asking for to waive solicitor-client privilege in this case so that the public could see the legal, the internal legal opinion that yeah. I gather a lot of this was based on, but we yeah. haven't see it, seen it and we won't. Is it important that we do or will Justice Rouleau be able to make an adequate assessment of the situation without it? So what we learned in the last 10 days is that the uh, federal government believes that the definition of threats to the security of Canada, which is one of the threshold criteria under the Emergencies Act. So there has to be an emergency arising out of a threat. And the threat described here is a threat of serious violence is different or it's broader a definition in the Emergencies Act. So whatever it says in the CSIS Act is not the same as in the Emergencies Act. So Justin Trudeau said the words are imported from the CSIS Act into the Emergencies Act, but it's more than words. It's actually the meaning. The Emergencies Act says the meaning uh, of threats to the security of Canada is that found in the CSIS Act. So it's important that those criteria not be broadened. The Government of Canada and Department of Justice believe that the Emergencies Act entitles the government to invoke public order emergency on broader grounds. And there's nothing in the act uh, 
to support that interpretation. So there's a legal interpretation that we've not seen. And uh, the director of CSIS was advised about this, and the cabinet was advised about this through uh, the Justice Minister Lametti. Now, Commissioner Rouleau asked Lametti about this and said, well, you know, wouldn't it be helpful if I could see what it is that you're relying upon to make your legal argument? And Lametti said, well, it's all in our declaration under the Act, under what's called Section 58, and it's not there. If you look at that particular document, the Canadian Constitutional Foundation lawyer today said, will you just will you waive solicitor client privilege in regard to this legal document, right, that makes this argument? The Government of Canada lawyer objected, said right. you can't ask the, the prime minister to do that on this occasion, just, you know, on the stand. It's unlikely that we'll see it. And Rouleau, it was noteworthy at the end of the commission, he's making his closing remarks. He said, I have all of the evidence to determine whether the Emergency Act invocation was appropriate, in his words, not legal, but appropriate. So I think he's just going to proceed without this legal argument, uh, without this opinion. We might get some of it in the final argument that's filed. So there's a written argument that gets filed. But we won't learn what what the advice was, right, to the CSIS director and uh, to cabinet, even though this legal opinion, I mean, let's be honest, it's just a legal opinion, right? right? It's not it's not a state secret. There aren't, you know, sources and methods of spying, right, and spycraft that will be disclosed. There's no national security threat that arises by disclosing this legal opinion. I mean, it's it yeah. should be pretty innocuous, but we're not seeing it. I guess as a non-lawyer, what what strikes me is the problem is that the legislation had never been used. It had been enacted in the late 80s. How one interprets it is up for uh, clearly up for interpretation, if you could excuse using that the phrase that way. And it would have been very helpful to know how it was interpreted. If we're going to change it or make sure that there are some parameters around how it's used in the future, which I think what this whole exercise is about, it would seem helpful to know what the legal opinion was that allowed them to make this decision. Absolutely. And and there's an important contextual factor to take into account. In 1987, the Mulroney government proposed repealing the War Measures Act and replacing it with the Emergency Act to appeal to Quebecers mm-hmm. and to get them to vote conservative in the next federal election. There was uh, that initiative, but also the Meech Lake Accord the failed Meech Lake Accord that would declare Quebec a distinct society, et cetera, et cetera. So there were two com- components to this Quebec initiative that the Mulroney conservatives began in 1987. If the government of Canada had said to Quebec public opinion, where the War Measures Act was discredited, right? It's considered a, a black mark on uh, Pierre Trudeau's legacy that he imprisoned all of these separatists in 1970. If the appeal was, oh, we're going to replace the War Measures Act with a new act that will give us broader discretion than what we've identified about threats to the security of Canada, it's not like there would have been any support for that. No. Uh, He never would have been able to sway Quebec public opinion in his favor. And certainly the organization that I was with at the time, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, would never, ever have accepted that kind of interpretation. So here we have something new and uh, not disclosing this new broadened interpretation seems to me to be a real failure. 
Yeah, I, I suspect that at the time, I guess it was Perrin Beattie who introduced it, if I remember back to those days correctly. But I think we had him on the show to talk about it at one point. But you're right. I mean, if they got up and said, by the way, we're going to introduce this new vague act to replace the War Measures Act, I imagine no one would have been too supportive of it. No, no. The whole idea behind the Emergencies Act is to constrain the capacity of the government to use it, which is why you have these threshold criteria about no other law or authority to address the emergency, and also the definition of threats to the security of Canada in the CSIS Act needs to be, the emergency has to rise out of one of those threats. So uh, the whole act is framed in that way, right, to limit access to it by government. The fact that the government was reinterpreting the act anew is worrisome. It's true that, you know, the government didn't abuse its powers too much, and it was in force for a short period of time. But that's not reassuring when you've got legal standards and criteria that have not been satisfied. And the prime minister ended his evidence today by saying he wanted to protect the rule of law. Well, that's what we're talking about here, right? No one's above the law. You can't change the law on on a whim. You have to go to parliament to do that. It's simply not the usual course of business to go about interpreting the Emergencies Act in a new way without explaining it. David Schneiderman is with us this half hour. He's a professor of law at the University of Toronto. We're talking about uh, the end of uh, testimony today at the at the commission and the inquiry into uh, the invocation of the Emergencies Act. Uh, the prime minister was the last of many uh, people to testify today. Uh, you, you mentioned it earlier as well. One of the things I found interesting, he was asked whether he thought that this would set, the prime minister was asked today whether he thought this would set a dangerous precedent. And his answer was, well, we're having this, you know, this is a mandated inquiry. It had to happen the moment the act was was invoked. Uh, we're having this inquiry, so it won't happen again. Is, is that Should that be comfort enough to Canadians? Well, you know, as I said, the act was designed to fence in government discretion at every turn. Uh, including meeting these special criteria, including having uh, declaring in Parliament the public order emergency and then having to renew it every seven days or so, and then having a parliamentary committee to review it once the public order emergency ends, and then having this independent commission of inquiry, right? So you can see all these checks on the use of uh, the Emergencies Act, which is really one of the merits of this new framework legislation, right, insofar as it replaces the War Measures Act, which was just granted to government complete and utter discretion. So look, we should take some solace from the fact that the process has run its course. There are all these committees and hearings scrutinizing the invocation of the act. We're having this public discussion. It seems to be of some interest whether the government had the authority to invoke the Emergencies Act, though. I imagine it's mostly popular. It's seen as successful. And so many folks, I think, don't question the use of the Emergencies Act and its, its legality because it was successful. So it went after the fact to justification. But we're engaging in this debate and the, and the Rouleau Commission will uh, report, will also feed into this, right? So we'll get some... I think recommendations about reforming possibly the Emergencies Act, but we'll also get lots of recommendations, it seems to me, about intergovernmental communications, about lines of authority for sending in the RCMP and communicating with local police forces. There are all kinds of things, it seems to me, that need fixing that the Rouleau Commission disclosed. 
what I always found about, I mean, I, I covered the Air India Commission, Gomery, a few others. And what's always fascinating about these commissions, uh, these inquiries, is that you end up learning. I mean, while the root of it is, was there justification to invoke the Emergencies Act, what you end up finding out and realizing needs fixing becomes so much broader because you're given such an incredible look behind the curtains, especially in this one, because it involves so many layers of government. Yeah. And, and in fact, Rulo's remit is much broader, really, than he's capable of completing in the time available. And during the course of the commission, he kept on complaining about the short time frame he has to report on all these matters, including how Ottawa residents were affected, uh, what the convoy protesters were wanting to achieve. And I think those kinds of matters weren't really necessary for Rouleau to inquire into. We knew that Ottawa residents were deeply affected and harmed by the convoy occupation. We know what the convoy message was. I made it pretty clear the first weekend what the message was. So he's got way too much on his plate. I hope that he focuses on, again, the propriety of invoking the Emergencies Act and whether the legal thresholds were met. But again, I'm not entirely certain he's going to do that. But I am pretty confident he will make all of those knock-on recommendations about communication between government agencies, different levels of government. You may recall that the Ontario Solicitor General told the Public Safety Minister Mendocino, "You're not my effing boss." Right, right. You know, yeah. so so got pretty the, testy there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, the all all these um, text messages and so on were very revealing. So the Rouleau Commission gave us an ins sort of an inside look in how decisions get made at the federal level and and, and the extent to which th- when they're expected to collaborate and consult with their provincial counterparts, like what, how testy they get, right? And and how there isn't as much collaboration as there should be. And, and Rula, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll speak to these matters because it's pretty shameful, right? There were all kinds of failures of communication. There were policing failures. There were security failures. The, the convoy occupation should never have been allowed to begin or last as long as it did. Uh, For sure, they should have been entitled to protest. But parking on Parliament Hill for weeks was illegal, and we shouldn't be condoning illegal acts. David Schneiderman, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Ben.